Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 192 We got another breakdown coming out of Philadelphia, but before we get there, the news has been dropping like it's hot. If you haven't been listening to Lesbo and the Bean, you haven't had your ear to the ground because we've been talking about this for months. The Piper has come to collect, and that comes by the the Irish government estate, officially Conor McGregor being looked into for sexual assault cases. It hit the New York Times. It's official. We made it. We on the big names. We in the big, we in the big sheets. What have you heard about Conor McGregor lately? And what we've been talking about here for a while at Lat B. My favorite is people are like, well, this has nothing to do with why he's retiring. He's really retiring. And I'm like, you don't think one has anything to do with the other? Totally agree. You don't think one has anything to do with the other at all? Come on, people. Um, It's pretty crazy. I mean, but it's not. We knew exactly what was going on. Just because somebody has a ton of money, they're a fist fighter for a living. Um, not that fist fighters rape people, but <laughs> true hooligans. He's a hooligan. He's a hooligan. He's done. This isn't like the first uh, incident of Conor McGregor being Conor McGregor. Very true. So it sucks. I I hope it's not true, but. That little kid looked like Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people just ahead of the, to stay ahead of it, if it all went down, homegirl's also saying that she had a kid by him. A hundred percent. stay ahead of it if this is all news to and you. And people also keep forgetting that there was a point in time where Conor had a, Connor supposedly had a hit out on him in Ireland because he beat up the cousin or brother of this girl who called Conor out at a club and said, you ain't fucking taking care of your child. And then and he laid some more the mob was like after, after him. Or something. Well, yeah. So it all, all is coming about. It's all time It's all together. coming. It's like the uh, UFC's version of QAnon. Latvia <laughs> <laughs> is the new QAnon. <laughs> bay, bay, bay. I don't want to be <laughs> I don't either. I can't handle that. I can't handle that. That's intense. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, yeah. So, Connor, what else? What other images? Well, to I feel get. Like it's all Connor, Connor, Connor. It has been all Connor. It usually does t- tend to and take for over. Everybody, go listen to that shit somewhere else. We try. Not that we don't talk about Connor, too. Oh, we obviously. Do. Oh, we, we do. do. But we try to steer clear. Of it, and everybody, if you've listened to the show long enough, I was in love with Connor like everybody else. But you know, I, I'm in love with fighters, not personalities. And I used to love, you know, he did what he said. And if you look back to the history of him, but he hasn't done anything great since Eddie Alvarez. Moving up to 155 is quite a feat that Connor has, but essentially, his game of late has been propping up his whiskey and. Tweeting out every so often a cryptic, oh, I'd like to fight you, Masvidal. Oh, sure, I'll take. He's just been teasing. He's been doing the GSP. The, oh, I have maybe been thinking about training more often. And you're like, what? Why are, why are you even announcing this? Officially, I know GSP is backed off. But the really interesting thing is how Dana White's already commented and said, hey, this kid's doing so good with his whiskey. He doesn't need to come back to the UFC. And I feel like 
they're playing, uh, showing each other's cards, and Connor's like, yeah, I'm willing to step away again. You guys need me. And Dana White all of a sudden is like, oh, we don't. We got Macy Barber. Macy Barber. That's what we John Jones. She sold us on it. On that one. We're sold. We're like, okay, she is the future. (laughs) That's if Ronda Rousey O'Connor had a kid, and Johnny Bone Jones was the guy. Not even. I would even say Johnny Walker, if you want to go Nardiev. Uh, other interesting people. That, there's I would just a lot say of we love Nardiev, but I don't know if a lot of other people even know he exists yet. That's why you got to trust the process. Yeah. Got to trust the process. We say in here first, this is somebody who's going to be contender, still 20 years old. But there's a, a lot of other prospects that are already like, oh, whoa, they're going to have some pretty fun careers. You don't need Connor in the cage for everything he touches from this point forward to bring eyes to MMA. Right. He's an MMA star. If anyone looks up or falls in love with his 30 million followers on Instagram, if they do any research, they'll eventually find the UFC. And the, some stick around. You and, and, and the other thing, I know ca- casual fans are the ones that blow up a fight card to um, get take it to the next level, so to speak. But... You guys, we don't buy every fight card. Hardcores don't buy every fight card. It has to be a packed card for hardcores to go out. And even illegal streamer people that I know, they'll buy fight cards occasionally. If they're good enough. Yeah, so I just feel like it's hardcores too making those numbers pop. Stop thinking it's just the casual fans that are the ones that are making the difference. It's us. It's us too. Give us some props. And by us, I mean the all-inclusive, like we, the whole... The casual... Le yeah, you know us, Le Casuels. <laughs> Yours would be El Casuel. <laughs> so, fun fights that have been announced as of late. One that's on uh, the tip of everyone's tongue but officially might be on the rocks is Jose Aldo versus Volkanovski. Aldo having a broken rib or some sort of rib injury. He's not pulled out of the fight officially with Volkanovski, but uh, he's fallen out of fights for a lot less and a lot earlier than this. So that one's up in the air. But one that did end up falling out in Fort Lauderdale was Cowboy Oliveira versus Lee oh, Jiliang. That is a damn shame. Oh, let, let, let me let me mend a broken heart because we have short notice replacement stepping in on a little under a month. Orlando's own Mike Perry coming against Oliveira. Oh, what that's a bump. Funny. In that fight, right? Yeah, that's fun. That makes it a fun, fun fight for sure. And Lesbo in the year, and Lesbo in the Bean here. About a year and a month ago, we ended up watching Cowboy, Mike Perry. Mike Perry. Mike Perry lose to Griffin in Orlando. Now we're gonna end up watching him lose again to. Man, wow. <laughs> <laughs> at least fight. At least fight. That's a close fight. We got a fun breakdown for that one eventually, that's- but. Well, right? Isn't that such a butt of like, whoa, th- that sucks. I wanted to see the leech. You're telling me Mike Perry's gonna let's go. He's more personality. Like, the leech is Mike Perry has that personality that sells too. He's gonna sell the fight, he's gonna make it that much more exciting. Um, you know, when he's in there, it's exciting. You know, hands down, 100%. I mean, Cowboy Oliveira alone, it doesn't matter who he fights. I'm just glad he's not the one who's fallen out. Because we haven't seen Cal- Cowboy Oliveira inside the octagon since he had um, the vagina. Sort of <laughs> the transgender yeah. surgery on his forehead. Back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I ain't touching that. that- <laughs> <laughs> 
My bad. Just leave you hanging by yourself. My bad. My bad. So, any other MMA news that has you been dropping that gets hot? Zoltanite on Twitter. <laughs> come at me. Come at me. It's a joke. It's a joke. We'll I live. Know. We'll I live. Know. We'll live. Come on. So, come on, everyone. Stop being so tender. <laughs> <laughs> other MMA news or fights that we need to get into before. We get into this Philadelphia card because it is, it is going to be a 13-card bout. We're going back to Philly. Going back. Back. Who? What does that make you think of Philly like, uh, right away? Born on the streets of Philly. Born and raised playing b-ball in the hoops of my days. <laughs> what is it? Max and relax and all chilling all. <laughs> What's the beginning of that damn song? Uh, Oh, I I'm it. born in Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and I shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys who were up to no good. All right, but <laughs> that is. is so funny because it's pretty along the same line. Mine was Motown Philly back again. Doing a little East Coast swing. Boys to men going up. So, yeah. I hope we don't get pulled <laughs> off YouTube for yeah, that. For that rendition, <laughs> that cover, those two amazing that, covers that by That mashup, that Philly mashup. Is that so cheesy that they're both, they're both relatively cheesy things? Um, nothing cool. There's a lot of really killer hip-hop out of Philly. True. And some other stuff. It's just... Hey, I'm on Big Willie style. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're like, hey, nothing wrong with that. wrong with that. The genie, I'm in. Turn them blue. Uh-huh. I don't give a damn. <laughs> yeah, it's not racist. Agreed. Not a bit. Not a bit. It ain't no Robin Williams, but it'll do. It'll do. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like they're both kind of on that celebrity scale where I feel like if there's skeletons in those closets, they, I feel like there's equal amounts in both of them. I, they both make me like... Hmm, like something's just slightly off. And I know Robin Williams is dead, everyone, but whatever. I still, I feel like that about Will Smith, too. <laughs> He's just slightly off. Like something's just like... You can't be that famous and be normal anymore. Something ain't right. Yeah, something he doesn't go grocery right. shopping. It just don't happen. And um, isn't his son's um, boyfriend Chance... The creator? It, or is it the creator? Yeah. Oh, Tyler the Tyler creator. The not creator. Chance the all these It's almost as bad as the bean. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so in Philly, born and raised, we got a fight card that's going to be a deep. It's going to be stacked. going to be headlined at 155 pounds with Etienne Barbosa versus Justin Gaethje, which is a pay-per-view worthy bout all on itself. But we are going to end up getting it on ESPN+. Plus. So... Getting into it, you know how we like to do here. We always start from the bottom to the top. And it's going to start off at 135 pounds with Alex Perez stepping in against Mark De La Rosa. De La Rosa coming in with an 11-1 record, two wins in the UFC, only losing ever to Tim Elliott via submission over a year ago. Since then, redeeming himself, last beating Jacoby Sanchez, who actually just had a really impressive win as of late. So, De La Rosa... Likes to get it to the ground. He is a Genesis BJJ guy fighting out of Fort Worth. The 24-year-old is so young, and we've seen so much growth from even his Tim Elliott fight in his next two uh, bouts. He looks like he's already starting to get a lot more comfortable. His strikes are really coming along. He used to be a serviceable striker. Now he's starting to get into that, whoa, he's putting together legitimate three, four-punch combinations right into a double-leg takedown. So... 
Delarosa's game has really started to step up. I believe he also has a wife at the 125-pound division. I think they're the one of the few married couples in the UFC right now. But uh, Delarosa, this is their life. This is a family unit. This is what they do. Mom and dad are UFC fighters, and he's got all of his eggs in this basket. And against Alex Perez, who's coming on with a 21-5 record, getting his first loss in the UFC against Joseph Benavidez. Joey B being an underdog there, a lot of people thought the size was going to play out, but Alex Perez was just overmatched by truly a top three fighter. He Alex Perez took a shot. It didn't work out, but um, he still has a lot of growing to do. Both of these guys are fairly young. At 27 years old, Perez likes to use his wrestling in reverse to keep it striking, has accurate boxing, not tons of power, but really serviceable everywhere. Even on the ground, he doesn't just let himself be submitted or really get out-transitioned all that much. So I think this one's going to be really, really close. The fact that the odds are minus 260 for Perez doesn't make any sense at all to me whatsoever. He's a better fighter slightly, but I like the growth I'm seeing in De La Rosa. I think we got a real live dog here. I'm still siding with Perez's decision. I just think that the line's off, so I'm not going to be betting this one. Here at Lap B, we tend to stay away from the first fight of the night, and this one has stay away written all over. If not, dog or pass, De La Rosa's got a real shot. Who do you have in this <sighs> fight? I have a big, fat stay away, uh, but I do like everything that you're saying. I can't believe this fight is as far apart as they're saying that it is, and I don't know if I see any either of the guys getting a finish. I feel like I'm being swayed a little bit to pick Alex Perez by decision because of how heavy favorited he is. But if the lines were closer, I could see myself going with De La Rosa just as easily. So I'm going with Perez decision, but I think this is still a stay away. I think it's going to be a lot closer than anyone thinks. And, um, but maybe not dog or pass. I like even that because both guys are going to be laying a lot of points. They're small fighters, you know. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the heavy favorite, 9200 in the first fight of the night against 7000 for De La Rosa. So I, if there's a play for me there, it's De La Rosa. But again, there's many other spots throughout the night to be able to make your money. But hey, De La Rosa might be one of those cheap guys that you're going to have to utilize in order to get the finish or high points. But neither of these guys are the, the craziest scorers. Perez, a little more so... On to 125 pounds, we have Marina Moroz debuting against Sabina Mazo. Mazo being the debuter, perfect 6-0. The Colombian fighter is a Muay Thai practitioner, but she also has coveted Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu credentials. I believe she's a Pan Crace winner or Pan Ams winner somewhere in there. I'm sure I'm a little bit off on there, but legitimate on the ground. And interestingly enough, on the tape I saw in the perfect 6-0 fighter fighting out of uh, the LFA scene, she does have a couple marquee knockout wins earlier in the LFA career with a head kick, both of them back-to-back -back being right head kicks against really strong opponents. And as of late, uh, beating Carlo out of Japan, who's actually a pretty good... It was a five-round fight, and... Mazo, the Colombian fighter, even though she's a young debuter at 22 years old, you can see her fight IQ in there. You can see that she's done thousands of rounds in there. She is very meticulous, concentrated, has a good straight left. She sets it up well, and the reason she gets these knockouts is because she'll pick you apart with that left, keep throwing it down the line, and eventually she'll throw a three-punch combination and finish it off with a kick. 
which you know how we like that here at Lab B. But her Muay Thai. Anything on the way out. Exactly. You're hitting on the way out. You're you're taking it to the next level. You're one of the people we're liking. Exactly, and Mazo definitely has that. Um, But her last five round fight, it was. She's also one of these Muay Thai fighters, even though she has a strong ground game that we haven't seen that. The first round is arguably her worst round. I saw it in multiple fights. Even at the end of the first round, she got a couple finishes, but um, she'll give up the first two, three, four minutes of just like, okay, I'm getting my range. But once she starts to turn it on, she starts to go, go, and go away, with run away with the fight. I think that is typical of a lot of the Muay Thai fighters. 100%. Don't you think? Yep. Now that you're pointing out, I'm just thinking of all of them, and all I don't know, I could be a little wrong, but I'm thinking like, Chichenko, Cowboy, yeah, that's yep. exactly. And then even T- Darren Till, he might be one of the few that comes out hot out the gate. But, not even yeah. so much. <laughs> no, <not>. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But against Marina, the veteran, two, three fights. How long has Marina been fighting in the UFC now? Maybe more like four or five fights. But Moroz has coming off of a two-fight losing streak, eight and three, last losing to Carla Esparza, Angela Hill. But she does have a win over Danielle Taylor in there, a win over Christiana Stachian. A loss in there against Letourneau. So, Moreau's... Angela Hill seems like she's more middling. Letourneau's more middling. Esparza isn't that bad of a loss. And a win over Daniel Taylor, even though it's gross and ugly, is still a win. I do believe she got half-stunned in that fight. But Moreau's likes to keep it striking. And was it Daniel Taylor in one of her... It might have been her first fight. No, she had... No, she lost to Letourneau prior to Taylor, and then she beat... um, No, Daniel Taylor's first fight in the UFC. It might have been Daniel. Yes, you might be right. Yes, 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 yes. And for her to eke the loss out with Daniel Taylor's split decision queen, but uh, Moreau's was on top on that one. Let's keep it striking. Good head movement, good cardio on the ground. She scrambles, but doesn't really have an offensive grappling technique, so... I haven't seen Mazo shoot a takedown, and I haven't seen Moreau's really shoot a takedown. If she has, they've been very low-quality shots, and I don't think she wants to go to the ground with a Pan Am's champion. So there's a reason we got a minus 180 favorite for her debut. I think this line's spot on. Moreau's hasn't looked the best, and we're going to have another Macy Barber-esque. Not the same thing. She's not going to be throwing the flash kicks, but she's a killer in her own way. And at 22 years old, we got a long time coming with Mazo. I'm excited. How do you feel about this that's, fight? That's exciting, especially for the 125 division. Totally It, it needs a, another superstar. Can't Shevchenko's have... sisters all of a sudden. Uh, oh, that's... <sighs> Once, that's, one, yeah, she's fighting though Montano, I think. No, Monteferry. <laughs> oh, Monteferry. I think everyone was like, she should fight Montano. That's what everyone wants. Yes. Uh, this is more of a fade on Marose than knowing anything about Mazo. I think this is going to be a dirty split. I'm kind of nervous about this fight. That's what Marose does, and I think this is a big old stay away. I don't think she's going to get finished here. She seems to fight to the caliber of her opponent. Um, but it doesn't look like she's easily to be finished. Was she fighting at 115 before? I feel like she was as well. Huh. Against Esparza, I think that was at 115. Yeah, and yeah, and Taylor. Taylor. And Taylor, yeah. So she's probably moving up, might be looking a little bit better. Now or that... even, or a little more frightening. I can't imagine, I don't know how hard her weight cut was for her, but just looking at the photos of Sabina Mazel, she looks big. She's, she looks like a big girl. She's lanky. So, um, I'm... I should stick with what I know with Moroz, but Moroz is just one of those people that you talked about the ring IQ that you like, the Sabina. I never seen it in Moroz. I never, I ever agree. see her with it. She 
it, she almost seems like a counter striker only or something, and then she's not really thinking too much about She's not too active. She doesn't go yeah. that far forward, so she just has a lot of check marks that look bad in a fight. I'm gonna go like. dirty split Mazo. Um you know, that goes against too many rules of mine, but I'm gonna stay away from this fight. I totally agree, and even though I was talking up Mazo so much. Uh, I'm also in that decision type of category and 8,800 for the heavy favorite is way too much for a debuting fighter against anyone with any type of credentials in there. I mean, Moreau's has beat caliber competition, which is Taylor in there. So she has lost to others, but it's definitely higher than Mazo, I think, has faced so far. Moreau's 7,400. I'm not going to take a shot on this fight either way. If there was someone, it'd be Sabina, but it's a big fat stay away as far as DraftKings. Points. Yeah, points. there's no way debut. It's it has to get Rose a finish to pay the that dirty off. Splits. <laughs> On to 135 pounds. We have short notice card replacement in here. They filled it out from a 12 card to a 13 card bout within the last week. And stepping in is going to be Ray Borg. Stepping in short notice is Casey Kenny debuting. He last. Had a finish under a month ago. Knee finish, 11-1 fighter. It was about a week, maybe two weeks ago. There was a gnarly knee against, I can't remember the opponent's name, but uh, it was in the middle of an exchange, and it was like a standing knee, essentially. But homeboy was out. He looked like Stephen Thompson in there. He was out on his feet. He was out on his feet, hit the ground like a gorilla, and Kenny took very little damage in there. The tape that I saw on this young man being 11-1, only getting a loss in there, in the LFA circuit as well, is on the Contender Series to Adam Adlin split decision. Kenny only got this fight because he was willing to step in short notice. It wasn't that... I mean, he did have a four-fight winning streak in the LFA, won the championship, especially off of that nasty knee, but uh, he is starting to put it together. At 28 years old, it's just the fact that he has to come in short notice against Ray Borg, who's a former title contender. Ray Borg's a tough fight for anybody in the division at 135 pounds, let alone a debuter who's only fought LFA level of competition, which is good, but we know what Ray Borg wants to do in there. The 11-3 fighter goes for that double leg takedown, uses that ankle pick, gets on top of you and throws punches until it's over. He's got gritty submission defense, tons of cardio, is fighting for his son and his family. Uh, Ray Borg, outstanding guy, somebody that you do not need to... Uh, worry about even bad fight IQ. I feel like he goes in there with a plan and does everything in his power to enact that plan, and that's usually getting this fight to the ground. I don't think Case or Kenny has enough on the ground as well once it gets there to get even back up or really uh, throw up submissions to scare Borg. So I see Borg running away with this heavy decision. I think it goes 30-27 for the debuter, but we do get to see Kenny... In the division, he'll get somebody much more of his caliber next fight out when he's got a full training camp, and he's going to stick around for a while. So I like just make him better. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because, I mean, there's a top five guy he gets in a debut short notice. Come on, what do you expect from the guy here? Are you excited, finally, about Ray Borg moving up to 135 here instead of killing himself at 125? I like it. I do like it. I uh, I think he's going to also realize, like, whoa, I can compete with these guys at 35. And he was missing every other time, looking yes. like hell. Looking, In my opinion, a lot of the fights take out DJ. 
his other losses could have, in my opinion, been totally harsh, too harsh of weight cuts. Um, I'm really excited to see him up at this level, and I think the more of these smaller guys that move up to the 135, being 5'4 won't matter as much, being shorter, because there'll be a lot more shorter guys, and the taller guys will have to train for them as well. So um, I think this is actually nice for both guys, and I don't know if it's partial because of Borg's kid, but I'm glad he's kind of getting an for as easy as a win a in the UFC. Yeah, like, um, it's still a guy at the next level that I'm excited to watch going forward. But I, I think Borg um, is going to lay out a lot of points here. I think Kenny's a tough enough guy to take a lot of punishment, and that's what we're going to see. So I could be, like, between 90 and 110 points for Borg just on strikes alone. Wow. I didn't get him down, like, ground and pound takedowns. But That's what I, I don't do. think Kenny's going to be getting up a lot for multiple takedowns. I am. So I think it's just going to be a bunch of ground and pound nasty elbows. I think, really, Ray has something to prove in this fight. It's been a long time since we've seen him out there, and I'm excited about it. Ray Borg, 9,400 on DraftKings against Case Kenny's 6,800. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to put Borg on a bunch of cards. Because even if he gets that 90, he's barely... He's not even paying it off. He has to get 94 points or above, essentially, to be paying off that 9. I feel like, in my opinion, if you're cost me over 9,000, anyway... It's 100 points. I need 100, 100 points. over. Totally but agree. The Ray Borg thing, that's just always going to be too much to pay for Ray Borg. I totally agree. Like he's, you can, he's never worth that amount at all whatsoever. And even with Kenny in this spot, it's not going to be worth it in order to put him on your card. So there's other spots that you're going to have to fill in with those type of bouts. At 185 pounds, we have Kevin Holland coming in against Gerald Mearshart. Mearshart coming in with a 29-10 record, last loss being to Jack Hermanson submission as of three months ago. Prior to that, he only lost to Kamaro Usman, or I mean Tiago Santos. Did he have a loss in there against Usman? Was that Mershart? Um, or was that somebody else? I'm going to think of the Vikings' name in a minute. It wasn't oh. Mershart. It was the good-looking dude. Not that Mershart isn't, but he kind of looks like... <laughs> there used to be this movie called Meatballs. Um, McCain, Molly old, McCain old. Meatballs? No, <laughs> um, there's an alien on it, and he Mearshart looks a little like that. Oh, I know what you're talking about. He's yes, a sexy guy. He's like he's in the top ten sexy guys in the UFC. That's who Usman fought and pulled down, and people are yelling at us right now. Like I can't believe, but we can look it up like everybody else. But that's why you're here listening to Lesbo and the Bean because we don't sit there like dweeb dweebs and like have all these cards like. We're making our head work still. People, trying to make them work. Before trying we planted to. with the Terminator. <laughs> I'll think about it while you... So, Mearshart likes to get fights to the ground, go to the submission. The Icelandic heavy metal rock god has won all sorts of awards outside of uh, the ring for his Nordic ways, but has been, I no, believe... No, he's from Wisconsin. You're, But you're talking about the I'm other, other guy. guy still the other it. guy. Why am I getting these guys? Do yeah, they have the same is. name? I think he's Nordic, the guy you're talking about. Like, I call him a sexy Viking, too. Yeah. It's not Mearshart. Mearshart's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. But oh. a lot of people think of the people... A lot of people from Wisconsin, because they think the Vikings came in through the Great Lakes, and then... True, know, true, true, but... true. I watched that documentary. Who was that? <laughs> Who was that? Leif Erikson? Yeah. Leif Erikson? It was... Oh darn! Yeah, Leif Erikson. No, no, no. I was gonna. I was trying to think of the other guy's name. Uh, I was gonna just have it. And is Mirshar heavy on uh, the Twitter? Is he always, or is it the Nordic one? I don't know either of them to be. 
I think so the I think the other Nordic guy is a bit more of a prolific Twitter guy. But back to the breakdown. I'm gonna think of it. Mirshart likes to use his wrestling to get it to the ground, get those rear naked chokes, likes to wear you out, has pretty good double leg takedown. Um, even though I'm getting him confused, I did watch Mirshart's uh, tape in there. And Hermanson is of of quality competitor in there three months ago. He lost via submission in a bout that he was getting outstruck a bit more on the ground. He really started to once the hooks got in for Hermanson. Um, Mirshart really just started to fold up in there, but... I think he has a much more level competition here in Holland. Holland is 14-4, and four, only losing his debut against Santos short notice. Last beating Phillips in a submission four months ago. But again, Phillips being that really low caliber guy. Holland, though, um, is a good striker. Super, super long. At 26 years old, he is 6'3", but he looks a lot. He He's that very Anderson Silva-esque in there. Good front teeps up the middle, front kicks up the middle. On the ground, super sneaky. He was able to beat Phillips, but uh, he was able to get it there by actually shooting in as well. This, to me, is... Got Holland winning the striking as um, Hermanson did. And on the ground, I don't necessarily think Holland is as dangerous. But And Mershark can hold his own, so I see it kind of neutralizing out. But on the feet, I do see the decided... Advantage going to Holland. I do think that he could keep Merchard at bay because he does lunge. Merchard moves forward with his head down at times and throws three and four punch combinations, but he keeps his head on a straight line. So even one of them dirty clinch knees can get up in there. I got Holland decision. I don't know how heavy I'm going to go on this one, especially for the highest price tag with Holland. Um, Phillips is a much lower competition than Merchard. So, I got a dirty split, honestly, on the way. I don't see how this is such a big thing. The other guy we're thinking of, I did look it up, everyone. So, YouTube audience doesn't say, she looked it up. <laughs> I did. Um, Emil Meek. Meek. It's Meek. <laughs> it's 100% Meek. Damn it. Why do I? It's because they got no, Nordic I think names. I feel like, I, I, I knew who you were talking about. Yeah, it is Meek. Um, I... I think I'm going to go with the underdog on this. This I just don't know what Kevin Holland's really done to super impress me in there yet. And I've seen Gerald Mearshart make it through a lot more than I was expecting him to make it through. I think he has an okay ground game. And I think he has a better stand-up than anyone is anticipating. I think his ground game is good enough that he can keep working on the stand-up. So I'm going to stick with what I know. I'm going to go with the underdog in Mearshart. I actually think he can submit because I think he's going to have the better cardio. Uh, I think he's going to have the better ground game. And I'm going to try to grind Kevin Holland out and take away some of that power in the first round. So if that's what I'm going to try to do, i got to think Mearshart's going to do the same thing. And I do think he has a nasty grind. I do think he gets his good uh, head placement in the chest. I think he gets his shoulders all up in there and grinding on the face. I think he has... um, it's not Usman-esque, but it's heavy like that when he's leaning on someone. So I'm going to go with uh, Mearshart submission round three. Wow. Wow. Big underdog for Lesbo. Plus 170 for the underdog. I think that's weird that it's so... That's, I agree. I, I, these lines, I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not, but I'm like... Thiago Santos' decision... Is that for, why? For Holland? Yeah, is that, that why? That's why people, they're but like, he he's not going to be able to knock down. Right. Uh, and it will wait up even, I think. Yeah, I think it might have been at 205. I, I don't remember for sure. Right. Um, but I also have to say about Santos, or it might, no, I think it was at 185, but it was Santos's last fight at 185. And uh, Santos is, 
I might be wrong on this. Look it up. I feel like he's fighting more than anybody else right now. Oh, I by feel far. like Homeboy's out yeah. every other like month. Like five or six fights so, in a year. Yeah. Uh, I think Mirashart's the underrated I do. I totally agree. I think he is being underrated. Plus 170 underdog, 7,300 on DraftKings for Mirashart against Holland's 8,900. I'm even saying this is a decision type of a fight, so there's no way you're seeing me pay over that 8,900 for Holland. I see some quit in Kevin Holland. I don't see quit in him necessarily. He made it with Santos, but Santos' last fight at 185, and I feel like if you look back to that, and this is all off memory... The most gas we ever seen Santos. Oh, yeah. He was breathing fight. heavy, for sure. He was just getting held down. Um, I like what you're saying with Mershart there. It's a fun underdog. It's definitely a live underdog. But points-wise, interesting. I feel like we have a lot of splits and kind of decisions turning about. And I have not been doing great. <laughs> I've, been, I've had a rough skid. I've had a rough skid. We all go up and down. That's yeah, the name of the game. It is. It's the name of the game. It's like poker. Yeah, it's... Or, Gambling, professional gambling, it's a roller coaster. You got highs and lows, valleys. I know. The mountains. one, my favorite, though, is I'm like, we agreed on a lot, so it should be a good fight night. Well, I guess it was still, it was like we got like eight or nine out of 12 or something. It wasn't an awful fight night. Not at all. Not at all, not at all. It still wasn't like a well. four of 12 like I did last week. <laughs> so, on to the 145 pounds. Look at our cute studio. It is. is it, it's is coming this, along. I know. Is this uneven or it doesn't matter because this is moving anyway? I think it's all going to end up moving eventually. Yeah, I know. I, I have to remember to get thing. a picture of it to put it on um, the gram. Oh, we need to get some sort of like a thumbtack picture, like a quality, like this is our thumbprint. Yeah, this new studio is coming along. Woo-woo! Also coming along, the career at 145 pounds with Kevin Aguilar versus Enrique Barsolas. Barsolas being the Latin America standout for the Tough Contender Series. The Peruvian fighter comes in with a 15-3 record. Coming off a four-fight winning streak, only lost to Kyle Bochniak in a split decision. But as of late, getting again four in a row against Brandon Davis, which all I ever see is people beating Brandon Davis. Every week I feel like I hear, this guy beat Brandon Davis. Am I, am I making that up? No, somebody just last week fought Brandon the, Davis and they and went one. to a nasty decision. <laughs> and it was like the fight of the year yeah. contender. <laughs> it, Who was it? Yeah, that's funny. Everybody has a fight against Brandon Davis in there. But beating Chris Avila, Gabriel Benitez in there as well. Barsolis comes in with wrestling accolades. Great gas tank. You know he's training at altitude up there in those Mayan mountains. But... He is definitely a uh, grinder. We usually tend to like that. He has a good double leg, great single leg, transitions in between both well, will slam you on your back if need be, will stay on top and ground and pound you, and actually has super underrated boxing. He is, tends to be more of a counter striker, and a lot of people don't like Barsolis's, uh style because he tends to sit back and counter and not do much in the fight, he really tends to make his opponents look a lot worse than they are. And people tend to think that that's a bad fighter instead of understanding, no, he's tur- he's turning this fight into his game plan and giving himself the best Patience advantage. Patience pays off. 100%. So Bartosolis does that, and what he he's ultra smart winning those last 30 to 10 seconds, always goes for a takedown. Always, and he gets them. High percentage value in his takedowns when he goes for it. What's so, his nickname? Uh, Enrique El Fuerte. Barsolas, strong, El strong, Barsolas, but the strong, the strong. You know what? You know what we be talking about up in Peru? Oh, you know. 
strong like bull. <laughs> he's strong and long. He, he's got a baby's arm. I don't know if he does. So, Barcelos here uh, uses his wrestling and roller verse to keep it striking until those last 30 seconds to get his takedowns. And against Kevin Aguilar being 16-1, and one, came in and had a fight of the year contender against Rick Glenn three months ago. I mean, that was a short Four. notice fight. Absolute war. Rick Glenn in there ate some huge shots. So did Aguilar. Aguilar actually waving it in, saying, come on, let's go, let's go. Gets into more of that brawling, stylistic type of matchup. And in this type of fight against a guy with high fight IQ, like I'm saying with Barsolis, you can do all that. You can wave him in and say, come on, stand right here. Cross he's going to get frustrated. He's going to throw a jab in your face and take you down. And you're going to be like, oh, you don't want to fight, bitch. And he's like... I'm getting the dubs, I'm homie. I'm getting the dubs, homie. I'm so I I just see Barcelos taking this where he wants to. Striking-wise, I really like the Muay Thai Aguilar has. But again, he gets lulled into these brawls, and that's where he makes his name. When he actually gets in there against people with game plans, he can start to get picked apart a little bit more. So I'm siding with a slight favorite. This is a coin flip near even. Minus 120 Barcelos, minus 110 Aguilar. Is it Barcelos or Barzola? Barzola. Okay. Sorry. Barzola. I never wonder. No, it's right. <laughs> when it comes to any kind of anything, if it's in South America, I'm like, I don't know the pronunciation. I, I no, you're right. <laughs> Enrique Barzola. Okay. So, give me the slight favorite 15 and 3. Way a little more experience and a way better game plan overall. I agree. I like Barzola. Uh, how much is he on DraftKings? 8,200. Against 8,000. What kind of points does he get if he's a grinder? Average 87.3 points. That's not bad at all. That's actually a nice average against a guy who's game enough for him to get those kind of points. I like Barzola here, and I like Barzola on my cards. I agree with that. I think that's somebody that I'm going to be able to play, even though I I got a decision in that fight. I don't think it's a finish either way. I I think he should be a, a, a more favored in it, actually. I think it shouldn't be as much of a coin flip. I I was surprised at how close the fight was because I was in the same boat thinking that Barcelona should be more in that like minus 150 range. So the just fact that slight, it's even close, slight, yeah. but but still, that means that minus 120 is value. Like I'm yeah, willing yeah, to pay, yeah. I'm willing to pay more for him. So put money on it while you can, even though it's minus money. It ain't no free bet. It don't qualify as no free yeah, bet. True. But true. It's money. It's money. You're welcome. And it You're could welcome. be. If it's this close now, it could swap lines. It could be even as soon as it hits even money. That's plus 100 in my eyes. So, anything left with that profile fight? Is that a On to 155 pounds, we have longtime veteran in there, Ross Pearson, coming in against Dez Green. Pearson, I mean, 20 and 15 record, almost 500, but he's been in there at the top echelon for a long, long time. The epitome of a gatekeeper. If you can't beat Ross Pearson right now at this point in his career... You might be getting that pink slip, and unfortunately for Ross Pearson, just don't see any title contender contention coming down the line. He's set in his ways at 34 years old. He's just really a great boxer. You're kind. For even, <laughs> I wouldn't even have thought of telling him there's no title contention for you. I wouldn't even have thought that because I would have thought he has to know. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Pearson is he's valiant. He's not going to give up in there. When I first started watching the UFC, he was one of my favorites. And, and he was old then. <laughs> he was. <that's laughs> he, was he was a veteran back then. He's fought essentially his, most of his career in the UFC. Last coming off of a loss to Modeski decision, only getting a win 
in there against Hirota decision, but losing two other top guys, Daniel Hooker. Um, we know, again, what Pearson does. Uses great boxing. Good kick. Doesn't throw it enough in there. Great takedown defense. It's underrated. You can't take him down, but it isn't easy. People will get tired, and Ross is one of those guys who essentially gives up the first round. He's one of these slow starters where he needs a little blood in his mouth to be like, all right, I'm in a fight. Let's get at it. Um, yeah, he always looks rough. Always gets a little bloody before he ends up coming out. But, again, he's just lost a step all over. It is 34, but it's 34 on a hard road. In like, the UFC. In the UFC. That means he's like 72. Exactly. His bones are 72 years old, essentially, in there. But Des Green, 21 and 8, being also a longtime competitor in there, he has all sorts of Bellator credentials. Coming in and being a bit of a flop in there, losing to some guys he shouldn't have, losing some split decisions, losing some submissions, but coming off of a loss to Tysimov decision in a dirty split, which I honestly gave to Des Green, but I do believe it was in Europe that that fight ended up going down. But a lot of people had Green because he was the only one who had takedowns, I believe three in the entire fight, and then it was pretty close striking-wise, but serviceable everywhere. I mean, he does fall it's back in his wrestling. It's because so dramatic with that hair. It does and move around yeah, a lot. Yeah, so it's it true. looks like he takes a lot of punches even if he's avoiding getting hit. It's, right, even, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's not great for him. Totally agree. Um, he can, though, take this to the ground if he absolutely needs to. So... I think that this is, again, going to be like that Tysimov fight, essentially, for him, where they're going to be near even striking. Pearson might wear it a little worse as far as bleeding, but uh, Green's hair will move around more. So if the takedowns do come about, we are in the States, so I do think that they'll they'll end up favoring that to the American fighter a little bit more. This is still a close one. Um, I see that it's an absolutely astronomical favorite right now, and... I would say probably two to one makes more sense to me. Minus 400 for Des Green is just, whoo, it's super steep. I'm going to end up staying away from this one. I do have Green decision. I don't see a finish. I think Pearson can end up getting brutalized till the end. What's Green's average score? On DraftKings is 41.7 points. Yeah, I don't see Green laying a lot of points at all. I think he becomes dependent on the takedown, and once he can't get it, he gets super frustrated. And then if he's going to stand up with Ross Pearson, Ross could eke out this decision. This Des Green should be the favorite here. I could even go 2-1, maybe even like 235, like something, you know. But this is insane, and it's kind of disrespectful. Ross Pearson's not a guy that just gets KO'd all the time. So, And Ross, Des Green isn't a guy that shows tons of power. 100%. So I'm going Des Green decision because it's so heavy favorited and because how old Ross Pearson's old as dirt, and I'm kind of fading him (laughs) here. Um, He's like Dan Henderson. You're so kind. (laughs) At this point, he's like Dan Henderson. But uh, I think... Green decision. It shouldn't be so heavy. I'm. A, how much is Des Green? Nine thousand three hundred on DraftKings. There's no value. No way. Absolutely no way. And, and I don't see a finish for Ross Pearson. So agreed. it's like if you're desperate for nine four, whoever that was, that wasn't worth it either. I'm like Ross Pearson's not going to get finished. I totally agree for six thousand nine hundred. I feel like there's so many people that I've said the odds are off. They have way more of a shot that I don't even need to tell you who to play because you could pick any one of these lower guys. And as long as they don't get finished, they're going to be worth every dime. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I have to do this. Manor, manor, manor. The Aguilar here. There's a dude, the K Aguilar and J Aguilar. Don't let that F up your DraftKings. Just pay attention to DraftKings that. DraftKings alert. And pay attention to your parlays because you'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, Aguilar. And then this... 
this fight will come on. And Jessica Aguilar is what you're trying to say there. Yeah. And then Jessica Aguilar comes in and is going to muck up your night with some nasty knees Yeah, in you there. might want Kevin Aguilar. and Or you might want Jessica Aguilar Maybe. and Kevin Aguilar gets murked by Barzola. Maybe. I don't know. But Maybe. I just pay attention. Pay attention. Just know what you're getting into. At 115 pounds, Marina Rodriguez knows she's going to come in against the longtime veteran in Jessica Aguilar. We have the 10-0-1 fighter getting her first draw ever in her career against Ronda Marcos' decision six months ago. Rodriguez came in as a slight favorite there, ended up getting a draw, which I don't know if it looks that bad since we just saw what Marcos really did in there. But Marcos also really stayed striking with Rodriguez, and it was a really interesting fight. The 10-1 fighter... Has long striking. She is fairly tall at five foot seven with a two inch reach advantage at sixty five inches. Uh, she likes to use it, kick to the leg well, keep it striking. When she's pumbling along the fence, she has the better head positioning. She'll put it more into that chest, turn you on the outside. She's thrown an elbow occasionally in there, but she does like to throw more straight punches in there. Um, I think she can keep this fight standing because she already did against Ronda Marcos and I don't see Aguilar being able to even emulate half of a takedown that Marcos did especially with Aguilar's steroid use bad knees multiple knees injuries she is a little advanced at 36 years old and you burn me once you can't burn me again and Aguilar's done that quite a few times against Zhang she got demolished submission armbar but she had her head cut wide open against Zhang in there four months ago in China. Um, Aguilar still, she does have that veteranship. She can make it into a bit more dragging of a fight. But again, if she keeps this striking, she throws very slow arm punches, does Aguilar. Um, Rodriguez should have much more of a pop in there. I don't see a finish here either, but I am going to go with Rodriguez's decision, the big favorite. It's just this is more of a fade on Aguilar than anything, and I don't think I can ever put my money behind Aguilar. Just the type of fights she has, they really are black and white. They're so bad that it's just don't even trust her ever, <laughs> ever at all. So give me Rodriguez's decision right now. Who do you have in this fight? I have Rodriguez as well. Uh, Jessica Aguilar is just never really exciting in there. She never lays out a lot of points. Um, she's just kind of a placeholder in the division or something. And sorry, that sounds so harsh. Um, Rodriguez, I'm excited to watch her, but I don't think she's in danger of being taken down, which is where Jessica Aguilar would have a little more of an advantage. Uh, but I like how long she is compared to Jessica. I just think Jessica's going to find herself at the end of a lot of punches and kicks for two rounds if she even gets an attempt to get on the inside. I think uh, Marina will be pretty safe and be able to have a point fight even though I have her winning by decision. She could catch her with something. I think I think she's going to lay strikes the whole time. Um, I'll probably stay away from this fight altogether. Totally agree. Even though we both have the minus 300 favorite, for 9,100, there's just almost no way. Unless Rodriguez gets that first round I finish. I don't see that finish. I agree with that, but if there is a one fighter to finish the other one, it'd probably be Rodriguez, right? Yeah. So... Take that for what it's worth, but I feel like the the theme of this fight night so far has been stay away. <laughs> the whole <laughs> fight night so far. But they're exciting bouts. It's just the odds have just been really. But you know what we should really stay huge. away from? 
latherandcompany.com. That is the truth. That yeah. is the truth. And so you've heard us talk about it here before. Um, the matte soap, uh, how antibacterial is not great for your skin and antibiotic and all that stuff. And it can make you have stuff like staph. Yep. So Lather and Company informed us that they actually have a bar that emulates that, but so much cleaner ingredients, and it's their facial detox bar. So if anyone wants to um, get a Lather and Company version of the matte soap, it is their facial detox bar. But there's so much other cool so stuff. So if I can phrase it maybe a little bit better, I want to say that the facial detox bar is actually beneficial for skin flora in order to help fight off staph and other fungal infections. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. I is and it, I use it. It smells great. I really enjoy it. I'm always lathered up. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Taking and, those night showers. And if you're thinking about getting something, because you know we always have a holiday coming up, that maybe it's somebody's birthday. Maybe you uh, have a mom that you want to get a little gift, or you just want to bring home something for your lovely um, or your handsome. There's uh, there's True. shit there too. We were just talking about Matt. So the sandalwood. Ooh, yeah. The sandalwood. So oh, I smell patchouli up a little more often than that. I like Woodsman. Yeah. <laughs> I like there's the Woodsman soap. I think that smells really good. And there's um, body frostings that it might be getting to the time of year that you can't get those. But um, you can use the code LATB15 on their site and get 15% off. Plus, for the people in the continental United States, um, free shipping and handling. So, over orders $25 or more. Awesome. Uh, yeah, latherandcompany.com. Good to know. Remember to like and subscribe at Weakneck Baby on Twitter at Zoltanite. At Lesbo and the Bean, also on that Instagram. Yeah, and if you're, you're not sure following follow our us. Instagram, I almost feel like it's worth, if you don't have an Instagram account, it might be worth getting one. Whoa, high praise. Yeah. I like it. It's yeah, true. It's true, at. though. It's there enough is. to inform you. And I, I kind of like, uh, if you're still Facebooking, you know, sometimes better than people's opinions are just their photos. It's like the best part of Facebook is Instagram. And that's not even commercial. It's just because you can follow at Lesbo and the Bean on Instagram. And back to the show. See, it's, we're still in the show. That we're wasn't just a cut. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a cutaway. <laughs> on to the main event, though. We finally made it onto the main card. It's going to be a hell of a fun one because we're starting it off right with a profile match about 145 pounds. We have Shaman Marias coming in against Black Explosive Yusef or Sadiq Yusef. Uh, Sadiq coming in with an 8 and 1 record, only getting a TKO loss a while ago, but since then has rattled off a three fight winning streak. Two in the UFC, last beating Mokhtarian via TKO three months ago. Prior to that, beating Mike Davis in a decision seven months ago. Yusef calls himself Black Explosive. He listens to Jack Slack. He's all about that. And he's a great striker, Nigerian fighter. We got a Nigerian contingency coming in through and rolling up. We're going to have another one later on in the night. But uh, Yusef had a really touching uh, win where his brother recently passed away, and then he, we talked about it a little bit, and it's a really shows that he can he's all in with this fight stuff, and he turns some of that pain into training, and it's looking better for him overall. But Yusef is the epitome of black explosive. First round is his, obviously his most dangerous. Second, still dangerous. Third, 
starts to get a little hairy. That muscle really does start to wear. The hands start to come down a little bit more. Technically, Yusuf is very proficient and a laser beam, but in that third round is where you can really start to exploit him. Takedown defense has been solid, but again, he's been fighting middling competition at best now that he's finally starting to get up there. We're going to see because these grinders, I think, are going to be naturally his toughest fights because he's not going to be able to get him out of there with one shot. And do not believe Maktarian is a level UFC caliber opponent because he's not, even though he's been in the UFC. Shaman Marias, though, only losing his debut against Zabit Magomed Sharipov, then last beating Matt Salis, and as of late, Julio Arce in a split decision four months ago. Marias is serviceable on the ground. I know he's like a purple belt or something like that out of Brazil, but really uh, out of the Noguera team, Team Noguera, but the striking, the Muay Thai striking of Marais is where he likes to make his money. And stylistically, this is a really interesting fight because they're both strikers, but the Muay Thai goes to Marais where Yusef is more of an MMA striker, mixes it a little bit differently. But quality of strikes, I would say is probably on Shaman Marais' side. I think that he has a uh, much better game to the body, which I think is a profile way to get to Yusef. And Marais mixes it up well in there, goes to the body well, back to the head and throws in elbows eventually. So he's got good takedown defense. I don't see either guy really taking it to the ground. I think this stays striking. This is such a fun profile fight. Either one of these guys can finish at any point in time. And I haven't had too many underdogs throughout the night, but I honestly think that in the third round, Marais takes this over. I think the first round goes to Yusef. Second round is a coin flip. And third round, if Marais doesn't finish it, it goes to decision. He wins that. I see a dirty split, if not a finish, for Marais. I mean, Yusef could always get a finish in there as well. But give me the underdog plus 145. I like Marais in this spot. This is a fun one. I can't wait to see both of these guys moving on. I agree with you. It's so weird to have... So I can't believe he's the underdog. I guess it's just slightly the underdog. Um, I just am going to stick with what I know here. And Mokhtarian isn't UFC caliber, like you were saying. Um, his other win was on the contender. I like Sadiq Youssef. Um, I'm excited for him going forward. He's a young dude. I think fights like this will just make him better. Uh, I just really am just giving it to Marais for the amount of uh, experience he has inside the octagon and the level of competition that he's had in comparison. Um, so beating Arce is decent to me. I agree and, with that. Um, just, you know, Anaconda choked by Zabit. That's what everyone was like. This is the hottest prospect in the world, Zabit. You know, so I don't think it's that crazy. I'm going to give it Marais' decision. I think he is going to have the better cardio and – I think the more controlled striking. I don't think yep. it's going to be... Um... Yusuf's got a gnarly leg kick, though. He does have a gorgeous, gorgeous leg kick, but Marias will check those. And after two hard checks, uh, those leg kicks just don't th flow as easily, especially if bones break and Yusuf has that type of power. I well. Yeah. 8,700 for Yusef, the favorite, minus 180 against the underdog, 7,500 plus 145. Here at Lap B... You know how we like to do. Marias might be that Bandit Jones pick of the week. At least it's a standout oh, yeah, so far. We haven't been able to crown one because we haven't yeah. decided. This is the first one that we've officially decided on. Yeah, what are we going to... Is it the Bandit's bonus? Or is it Bandit Jones? Uh, I, I like all of them. Why can't it be all of them? 
just for the sure label consistency that we consistency. No, 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 because I we actually have a the BB that we stick on it. The BB. Yeah, something. Bandit bonus. Bandit bonus. Lap B's bandit bonus. That has it rolls. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it. So. Marius. It could be. I don't know, but putting that on him, I, I don't know Ooh, why. it's a scary fight. Yeah, it's so a, scary. yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh. But, I mean, we got to put our money where our mouth is eventually. Someday. Eventually, eventually. On to the 205 pounds, we have Paul Craig coming in against Kenny Zenjuku. Zenjuku coming in with a perfect 6-0 record, fighting out of Nigeria as well. Zenjuku, though, has been out of Fortis MMA, out of Texas, Fighting with a lot of top-level guys there out of Fortis. He last beat Dennis Bryant seven months ago in a TKO. Even though with that fight, look back at Bryant. He was 32 years old and I don't even want to say dad bod. Because he was just like some construction worker. He was just dad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He was a construction worker essentially who came in and was just like, oh wow. The size discrepancy and athleticism was just... uh, very dramatic in there, and Bryant didn't look like he was... It was surprising that he even made it all the way there. So, Zinjuku comes in, likes to strike from the outside, good clinch, good uh, elbows from the inside once he gets you up on the clinch. Garbage takedowns. Absolutely trash takedowns for this guy. People are going to start talking all sorts of uh, crazy things for Kenny because he has everything. He looks the part at 205. He's a young man at 26 years old still growing into his body. And you can see that he's a little reckless with his strikes in there. He does throw a lot more looping punches. His jab's almost a hook. He kind of jab hooks at the same time. But with that, he leaves his head on a straight line. And I see eventually an overhand right being the thing that's going to end up getting Zinjuku's hands to come up because so far the fighters he's been able to fight, he's been able to tee off on them so much that he doesn't have to worry about that reactionary counter shot. He just lets go five-piece combinations because he's outsizing them, being a better athlete, and now at the UFC, they're not going to do that. They're going to frame off of you and throw one right back at you. Unfortunately for Paul Craig, he's not the type of guy to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to get this fight where he wants to, which is on the ground. Sinjuku has barely been on the ground against low-level competition, and that is the only way Paul Craig gets a win in there. The 10-3 and fighter has only won once in the UFC, and it was against Ankalaev. We all know that legendary comeback, but it's the only reason he's Silva. still in it. Did he beat the Silva as well? Well, Frankenstein... Henrik Desova, that son of a bitch. I know, but he was 12-0 going True, goddammit. all the record of everybody that Kennedy's ever fought. Fucking hate Desova. Kennedy hasn't fought one guy with a winning record. I know. Except for the guy in that, the dad bod you're talking yeah. about. The construction worker. And you, uh, you look at him and you're just like, wow, wow, wow. So there's a bit of padding with Zinjuku, but he does have the potential there. Like you could see it in the rough edges where you're like, Eventually, I'm going to bet against him. You feel Nganu about him? Once he gets his first loss in there, you're going to watch a crazy amount of growth in this young man. But right now, he's just going to keep using what he has, and that's just out-muscling guys, essentially. Craig striking is journeyman at best. Uh, He gets hit a lot, and he will pull guard more to get you on the ground. And I'm hoping Fortis does have a good game plan. That if Zinjuku, I know for a fact, I saw actually Zinjuku hurt a couple guys earlier, and his coaches said, back up. Sinjuku backed up and let him stay striking because 
he is by far a better striker. I actually do have TKO round number two or three for Sinjuku, but don't get it twisted. Don't make it think that I'm like, oh, this guy's the next coming of Christ, because he ain't. He's the next, I mean, Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> um, or do you the think next... this guy can beat Tyson Pedro? Sinjuku? Yeah. Not necessarily. His, his uh, ground game is atrocious. Is atrocious. Or at least the stuff that I was seeing, especially his double leg shots and takedowns. If somebody wants the time, even Does a half ass near uppercut. Chance? Is that what? Craig? His, no. no. Uh, Kennedy. No, I think he's got a big. I think he runs through this fight. I think he wins top knockout TKO number one or, or two or three. Because of power or technique? I think or... it's technique, power, and size. I think he uses his athleticism, his size and athleticism to land harder shots, but they're they're not technically the most the 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 prettiest strikes. But against Craig, you don't need that. You just have to he land on his face. He has a hell of a long reach. Yeah. he has that John Jones reach. Um, but there's a lot of times he just hangs on guys and lets them wear out, and then he frames off and throws elbows. But it's not. It's kind of opportunistic. It, he doesn't set them up necessarily. Does that make any sense? Could he get submitted by Paul Craig? Yes. If it goes to the ground, he can get submitted. Yes, he can. I definitely I that. am going to stick with what I know here. I have Craig submission round three, and I actually think the longer it goes, the more in trouble Kennedy is, and Paul Craig can submit somebody the last 10 seconds of a fight. True. Can he take the damage of this guy? I don't know. I is is this guy like for real like another Ngannou? And I'm not just saying that because of he's he, from. He Africa. doesn't have that much power. He doesn't have that type of power. He doesn't. He he kills you, kills you by a thousand cuts. But he really likes to push you up against the fence and use that clinch game. That's Zinjuku's technique. Once he wears you out a bit, striking. He's okay on the outside. Again, it's just how bad Craig Does he is. Does he Johnny standing. Walker? No, Johnny Walker eats. Yeah, Johnny Walker eats Zinjuku alive. Does he beat Jimmy Crute? Nope. I got Crute in that one, too. Does he beat Roundtree? Yes, he beats Roundtree. Does he beat Ankliov? Nah, I think I might take Ankliov there, too. Um, but you have him beating Frankenstein De Silva? Oh, yes. Yeah, fuck Frankenstein. No, Louis uh, Henrique De Silva? Yeah, I still have Zenjuku beating him as well. Yep. Um, do you think Paul Craig could meet De- beat Dennis Bryant, the guy that... Yes, I would. Yeah, he could. I Shit, got, yeah. the MMA it's garbage. It's garbage. This is... I'm going to... St- just because of Lesbo rules, I'm sticking with Craig. I think he's going to figure out the submission. It could happen quick. It could happen... Um, I think it's dangerous for uh, Kennedy to stay on the inside, but I also could totally see here that the UFC loves to use Paul Craig to set up their new guys, and if uh, mm-hmm. Tyson Pedro is going to KO somebody with elbows, and uh, Kennedy elbows people, it's for an inside elbow, is he going to finish them in the exact same way that Tyson Pedro did? So I could really see myself switching to Kennedy beforehand. This is dangerous. I think I'm going to speckle both guys, though. I think I, they both could get finished. I think this fight, though, you could bet on a finish. I actually agree with that. I think the under, which we're, we haven't given out a lot of props lately, but I do agree under 2.5 rounds or it's inside the distance. And I think you're right on either guy. I Craig, if... Ugh. I like the tape that I saw on the corner, the Fortis corner, because Njuku met another submission guy in there and ended up... Not anytime they got close to the ground, he backed off and was like, I'm running this way. So I like what you're saying. 9,000, though, for the debuting fighter on DraftKings, minus 230 against Paul Craig, 7,200 on DraftKings, plus 185. Ugh. 
I hate it because it's Craig. Yeah, right. Like, I agree. I totally agree with you. It's a tough call. But 9,000 steep. That shit's steep. And he's knocked out everybody pretty much over the last, what, how long? Two years? Yeah. One year. For the last year, he's just knocked out everyone. Low-level competition. Low, low, and, low level. But we have a lot of those guys coming through the UFC right now. Like, this is the new breed. True, true, oh, true. I want to sway to Kennedy. I'm going to sway to Kennedy. KO, because I don't trust Paul Craig. This is going against rules. I'm going to do it, though, early, round one. But I'm not going to go heavy on it. Even though I have I a round one finish, I'm going to actually have Paul Craig maybe speckled on two. I'm going to not really go heavy. This is a weird fight night for me. I'm already feeling it. I think it's more like Zenjuku 40%, Craig 20% of my cards, and 60% or 40% untouched cards I'm, with this fight. The, what would make what makes me pick him is by what you say, like his tape doesn't look like garbage. He looks like he has good ring IQ and all that stuff. I'm like, then he should be able to be called Paul Craig. 100%. Easy. And exactly what he said, push away and elbow is exactly to a T how Tyson Pedro beat. Craig. Yep. So it's like I could really see that happening again. Is there a submission for that if I push away and Craig's not strong enough to get that down? Oof. Fun fight. Sounds like a fun one coming up. Sounds like there's going to be some crazy antics regardless of what ends up happening in the fight. But again, eventually Zinjuku will be someone to bet against. Not right now. He's still a young man. I'm going going to go with you on it. I'm going to stick with you on it. I just think it's going to happen sooner because Paul Craig, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen quick or Paul Craig's going to submit that motherfucker. The longer the fight goes on, it's going to make me scared. (laughs) That's the first MF where I dropped the whole. (laughs) Now we're moving on to a profile fight. We got the lovely ladies. We've had a couple lady bouts throughout the night, but this is one that I'm actually excited for. It's going to be a knockout round one. I forgot we're on a main card. It's the third fight, like getting like getting up there in the fight night. Right. Uh, I think that this they're is, looking for it, a finish. It's a setup. Yep, they're it's looking for a finish, fight. just like they're looking to bring in the eyes with these exactly. ladies. At 115 pounds, we have Michelle Watterson coming in against Carolina Carolina Kovalkiewicz. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. She's back though. She is back. She has finally come back off of that decisive. <laughs> blistering knockout she had against Jessica Andraj over how long ago now? Six months ago. She was TKO'd standing. The 12-3 and fighter, KK, comes in with a great record, only losing to the top, top echelon of the 115-pound division. And a lot of that can be said for Michelle Watterson, the 16-6 and fighter. It's a karate stylist coming out of that Jackson Wink camp, only losing to Tisha Torres' decision as of late and Rose Namajunas, but last coming off of a two-fight winning streak against Felice Herring and uh, who else did she beat as of late? I believe it was a split decision over Courtney Casey. But here we have the number eight fighter, in Watterson against the number six. Six months for a brutal knockout is what we usually like to like around here. We're usually, hey, you need at least six months or more. And for the ladies, it is rare for a lot of these knockouts to happen. But Watterson has knocked out a couple women in there. And it's with a lot of those kicks. She, as I was saying before, will throw a three-punch combination and end it with that right high kick. And it does catch people on the end of their nose, at the end of their chins. But um, against Carolina... She has good enough footwork move, footwork and movement that on the exit, she also pivots and steps off to the side. You know how we like... Is this that karate versus Muay Thai again? 
Essentially, I mean, this is essentially karate versus Muay Thai, except Carolina does not throw the leg kicks that are needed in there in order to really set up that game plan. But boxing-wise, I do give a bit of advantage to Carolina. Um, on the ground, Watterson does have a much bigger advantage, but we've seen the very best women not be able to get Carolina out of or to the ground necessarily because. Carolina has a wonderful wizard. She has a great wizard. Wizard's in hard and uses it to keep her feet standing or keep her up standing to get keep her boxing going and kicks. Watterson, though, as I was saying before on other fighters, she has that trip step stepping takedown where even though she's fairly undersized at 115, she's finally started to put on muscle, which did you see those photos earlier this week? Yeah. Oh, Jackson Wink, John Jones. If we talk about TJ Dillashaw effect, getting affecting all of his teammates, do you think do I keep thinking Holly about Holmes? John Jones and like I just have this? This is such my own conspiracy. I keep picturing John Jones's dude who get whatever shit he gets that he's testing for these picos on. Because <laughs> I do think there's something that is a pulsing. I think there's pulsing drugs too. I think there's things that are next level that give you spurts of energy and whatever. And so whatever his guy who's got to be next level, like he's the guy, yep. like everyone calls him all the super athletes. He found out it through his brother who are NFL players. And he's like, Hey, yeah, I deal with, he's a little guy. He's a little short guy. I deal with him too in Colorado. And he's like, Oh really? Because remember John Jones's uh, little sentence got cut short. Uh, yep. because he was helping out with USADA. And he kept saying, there's other names, stuff will come out. And even USADA was talking about it. Which we've seen recently Uriah Faber talking about how he was surprised that TJ hadn't been caught before. For six years, Uriah Faber said he had heard. So TJ went six years without being caught. You don't think other people are in that six-year span right now? You don't think yeah, other people are doing really that? doing it. Oh, really? Because here's the other thing. Oh, okay. Why on earth would he only be suspended for a year? That means it's a tainted supplement, typically, for the year. If it's an actual drugs, like if it's steroids or something like that in a system, that's always two, minimum. But how hard is it to say, oh, it's a tainted supplement that I dropped. Oh, I accidentally dropped steroids in it and shook it up. (laughs) I always think the tainted supplement rule, but usually they have to find the supplement and test the supplement and blah, 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 blah. Andy was working with that weird doctor that was doing everything, and so he was taking so much stuff that he talked about it on joe rogan yep. the regimen of shit he yeah was on he's on all sorts doctor. of stuff i've seen yeah. that picture of the table full of pills so you're telling me on it with all of that uh, silver oxide isn't gonna work that's where you're like are they these guys all sponsored by on it and oh uh, yeah yeah and joe, yeah yeah so they are <laughs> i was like god damn it i pop on it but and even if on it like uh, to stick up for them a little bit just in case they're looking for like a new place to put it we'll be have an on it sponsor but you could be on it the company and getting your stuff from the finest plant ever and the plant's doing something dirty you could think you're doing everything and right and by plant you mean factory factories and yeah right. whatever so it's like you could be doing everything right and still get kind of effed totally. and um it sucks. The, the, but the one thing, though, that I love, I love, love, love when people are like, um, you better be careful. Someone will put cocaine in that. Or you better be careful. No one's spending money. Like when people say, like, oh, Halloween now, people are giving out pot candy to kids. No one's giving out any pot candy uh, to your kids. Send Lat B the directions of that house because I'm going trick-or-treating. I'm going to no take it up for one time in a year. No one's 
get spending out of money. here. So that's kind of my other my argument against like what company is spending money to put expensive steroids inside there, <laughs> or you know like anything like that. There is uh, companies that do that. They want to get you juiced and then you buy it forever. Well, no, it's because then they tell representatives. I know this through like the bodybuilding scenes and stuff through the uh, muscle magazines. Dirty. They know, so the, there'll be a guy that says. Get this Lipo 6 because I know what just went through the machine beforehand was this other stuff. But the manufacturers know as well. Like, they, all they do is plead to the commission, the FDA. They just are like, oh, sorry, we accidentally tainted it. But everybody who knows, knows. Get that one. You're going to get some extra little HGH. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's all, so. all of it's linked up together. <sighs> Yeah, back to Michelle Watterson. Michelle Watterson <laughs> linked up with John Jones. Them day legs are looking all sorts of thick. But I do think that Carolina is able to keep this where she wants to, which is going to be in a striking battle. And uh, I think this turns into a do dirty type of Carolina's split. Carolina's ever done steroids? No. She has a very ladylike figure to me. Because you always are like, everybody. Anytime I ever list you a name, you're like, everybody. everybody. True. True. She doesn't. She passes a smell test to me. Is it because it's your KK? <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she I would never. Just look she at a photo. Never. Look at a photo of KK compared to Watterson, and you tell me if there was one person like all of a sudden Watterson has Holly home legs. Can I say something though? And I don't know if it's. I don't want it to be racist, but have you ever looked at like Asian gymnasts compared to like just some white lady gymnasts? So you're telling me Asia, like China's never cheated on steroids? Is what you're trying to tell me? Well, I don't know specific <laughs> countries, okay. but I just think like build wise, sometimes like Michelle Watterson has a thick little build. Like Carolina always, has like a long lean, lean yeah, build. Yeah, and I always thought that uh, Watterson was more that lean build until her move to Jackson Wink. How long has she been at Jackson Wink? Only like three or four years after the WME merger. She came from, I believe, so a wire. So you Cowboys on steroids? Cerrone? Yeah. Maybe not now, but I, that, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. That wouldn't surprise me. Holly Holm. <laughs> Them horse bread legs. Them horse bread legs. She's on the ring. Oh, yeah. yeah I, saw those, I saw those twin shots. I was just like, is that a horse? Oh, that's Holly Holm. Like, Damn. <laughs> I thought you were talking about her hair. <laughs> she has that long old mane. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm so into the steroids that I didn't know if you even made your pick yet. <laughs> I got KK split decision. I think this is super, super close of a fight. I don't think you go heavy either side of this. I do think this goes all three rounds. Give me... Her back. I think she's gonna be back. She's back. Carolina Kelvakevich. Split decision. Who do you have? I just see Michelle Watterson getting better and better and better every time in there. I wanted to be a Michelle Watterson hater for a period, and she's gone out and surprised me too. Uh, the Courtney Casey fight was close, but the Felice Herring fight, I felt like she really owned that, and that was a surprise to me, and she uh, took some hard shots in there. I just think she's more well-rounded. I really love KK. Um, she is in a lot of trouble if it goes to the ground, and now seeing Gedalia, and I don't know if Gedalia's just training less or if it's uh, Usada era for Gedalia or She whatever. left the camp that was giving her that juice, though. She that went Novunyal. to was the... she at Novunyal? She was, and then she moved to the States, so um, just saying. Yeah, I just, I've loved the way Michelle Watterson has looked lately, and I love that camp. I think that camp is just putting together game plans right now that are taking their fighter's skill set and just playing really smart. They're on fire. They're so on fire, Diego Sanchez won. 
I'm just saying. So they got that heat right now. They got that JW heat. Their Captain John Jones is back in the saddle, carrying his belt. Everything's going good. Um, KK, uh, she's just not changing anything. I'm not watching her change anything in there. And um, I think she's going to be ball shy. I think she's going to get hit in the face. And we know how... uh, I don't know if she got her nose really broken, though, in the fight. I think she just got cleanly knocked out by Andrade. Yeah, it was a super clean knockout. I think Michelle Watterson's a little more dangerous everywhere. Um, I think she has a little more power. I think KK could have faster hands, um, but I just think Michelle Watterson is going to have a little more power combined with the takedowns, which I think she's going to set up with uh, dangerous kicks. I think because she can throw so many kicks, uh, she's going to get... KK blocking a kick, blocking a kick, blocking a kick, take her down eventually. And it, it'll take a while to happen. Um, but Watterson, I got decision as well. So I think this is going to be a close, fun fight. I have split decision. KK. KK. But no, so no, no I have a decision. Oh, okay, as well. okay, okay, okay. So reading you there on DraftKings, 8,600 for the minus 140 favorite. KK against Watterson, 7,600 plus 110 as an underdog. Another underdog for Lesbo and Watterson here. Not a bad play. I think this one is a coin flip as well. And uh, betting-wise, probably end up staying away. Probably the over 2.5 is the best bet there, but that's not going to be plus money by any means. At 145 pounds, we have returning Michael Johnson on a two-fight winning streak against... Josh Emmett, who we haven't seen since Orlando over a year and a month ago against Jeremy Stevens, where he had his entire face rearranged. Emmett actually having a lot of issues since then, not being able to come back to the UFC because he had his entire, um, not frontal lobe, but... Orbital? Not, it's, but I think it was both orbitals, and he had fractures all up in his skull. He actually went to uh, the Orlando hospital. They did a MRI and said, oh, you're fine. You just broke your nose. He flew. He could have died. His brain could have exploded. He could have died because when he went to Cali two weeks later and was like, I still am not getting better. They x-rayed him or did the MRI, and they're like, dude, your face isn't connected. Like, your face is just floating around in there. And he's like, oh. All they gave me was pain meds and told me to be on my way. So he's had a long rehabilitation, but that's the type of injury that when you come back, like KK, well, not as much as KK, because this is one of those injuries that changes the way you work in there. Every time you get hit, you're just like, oh, do I want to go through that year again? Not to say that Emmett hasn't been training. I'm sure he has a full camp. This fight's been on for a little while, but... There is always that hesitation with some of these big guys. You break your leg in there or have a crazy arm break, I tend to take a step back and be like, ooh, Paul Felder says it every time. I don't throw that punch ever again. He never throws that spinning back fist on that arm. He's like, I can't. He's like, it just, I feel my body doing it and I stop because it it fucks with me. People think about this kind of stuff. It's just, it's inevitable. So back to the fight. Michael Johnson. Ball shy. Exactly. That's 100%. If you get hit in the face with, for those that don't know anyone, whoever's gotten hit in the face with the ball, they say it becomes hard for you to catch or swing at like a baseball or a football catch, at, you know, or whatever because you've been hit in the face so many times. Totally. And broken your face so it makes you flinch which ruins your game. Um, or they call that to girls um, that are too scared to give a guy a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Michael Johnson on his two-fight winning streak, last beating Artem, the GOAT Lobov, and Andre Feely uh, in a split decision. The 32-year-olds fighting out of Boca Raton, black zillions, but I believe they're the armory now. Michael Johnson keeps fight striking, uses his uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, good leg kicks, great left hand. He throws a two and three punch combination. He's put down Dustin Poirier. He's knocked out a couple high contenders in there. Had a bit of a slump and it's just because at times Michael Johnson will give up the fight because he again fights to the level of his opponent and will give up fights just losing that pitter patter. As far as takedown defense, really good takedown defense. Fairly elite. It is not easy to get Johnson down but if you do get Johnson down, he does get to tend to get stuck on his back. So he really tries to keep it upright as much as possible. There was some fun training footage of him and Usman not long ago really going at it. And that's someone way above his weight class being at 45 for Johnson. But against Emmett here, Michael Johnson is a better striker. Emmett has that alpha male overhand, right? Throws one and two punches, but eventually it just turns into an overhand, right? Going into singles and double leg takedowns and Michael Johnson has fought a lot of these type of fighters. He's fought Feely, who's coming out of that same camp with that same kind of game plan. Um, so for Emmett, I feel like it's one of those situations where the only way he really wins this is by getting it to the ground striking-wise. I think it's less, especially with that ball shyness we're talking about, with that big layoff. I just see too many other check marks not going in the favor for Emmett right now. I do like the side with the grinding wrestlers, but I do think Johnson can keep this where he wants it. And I think this turns into a decision for the slight favorite. Minus 120, Michael Johnson, I got. Who do you have in this fight and why? I have Johnson for all those same reasons. I was going to ask you if Josh Emmett, do we have to worry about any leg kicks here? Minimally. Minimally. And right. Johnson, the caliber of guys he's losing to are even Darren Elkins, the rear naked choke. Say what you will about Darren Elkins. But isn't Darren Elkins an alpha male guy? Alpha male guy as well. Totally. Jeez. And this is the dangerous part is alpha male beats guys typically after they get enough guys to fight him, like that Dominic Cruz thing. But at the same time, alpha male isn't what it used to be. It's a camp that for everything you hear is that it's so wrapped up in your eye of favor's ego and um Which he's back. That he's trying to He Uriah Favor's back. He's coming back to have another fight in the UFC. Well, he was just talking about it, right? No, I as far as I've heard, like he's like, yeah, I'm I'm getting back in the testing pool like I'm going to start. He was offered two fights not within the last year, and he would have taken it but decided not to. But now he's like, all right, next, pretty much next fight they offer him, he's willing to take from what I was understanding. Hmm. Yeah. So um, that plays surprising. against Josh Emmett as well, I would say, because, again, it's Faber worrying about Faber. Faber again. So he's probably going to be ringside just to get his face on the thing, which then it makes even more sense while he's back. Um, I'm going to go with Johnson's decision here. Uh, I think the ball shyness is going to be the biggest reason and the power that Emmett's going to come out with at the beginning. Johnson's dealt with that a thousand times. I think he's a pretty safe bet to put on places too. 8,400 for the favorite Michael Johnson against 7,800 for Emmett. I think it, this is... I'm not going to play this one that much either. I think it goes to decision. I do too. I just, it's such a sketchy night. It's. You got to put someone, you got to play someone. I got to play at least five people. Yeah, true, true. I think they pretty much, most of them have been stay aways, but 
Yeah, you got to. Or yeah. stay away from the whole night. Take it for what it is. Maybe this is just one you sit back, you drink an IPA, you eat some popcorn with uh, nutritional yeast on it, and you're like, oh, that was a good night. <laughs> I won't be doing those things. Neither will I. The co-main event, we go at 155 pounds. We have David Branch coming in against Jack Hermanson, the Joker himself, is coming in with an 18-4 and record off of a two-fight winning streak, last beating Talis Latest and Gerald Mearshart via submission three months ago. Only losing to Tiago Santos as of late. Hermanson's got wins over Brad Scott and Alex Nicolau in there, but Hermanson really showed out in that latest fight with that rib injury and really showed that he could fight through adversary in order to get where he needs to be in the fight. Striking-wise, the Joker has a long straight left hand, good striking, good clinch, okay takedown defense. On the ground, Hermanson has looked like on top. He's a beast. We haven't seen him much from his back, um, and Branch is super nasty on the ground. The 22 and 5 fighters coming off of a loss to, who was it as of a Cannoneer four months ago, TKO. Prior to that, he beat Tiago Santos in a TKO, lost to Rook Rockhold in a submission, but has beat Jutko and was a former double champion over at LFA, or at World Series of Fighting. But the 37-year-old, definitely Henzo Gracie Black Belt, Shows it on the ground. That's where he makes most of his money. But striking-wise, Branch is shown against Tiago Santos. If he puts, if he gets after you, he has enough power to get you out of there. The only real hesitation I've ever really had on Branch is he's a bit chinny. He gets hurt in a lot of his fights. He does have good enough fight IQ to be able to get it to the ground once and he's hurt. And Tiago was the Tiago at 185 still. Oh, great point. Yeah. Great, great point at 185 pounds. So uh, maybe a little... Uh, Weak from the weight cut there. But David Branch, though, the biggest issue, again, that chaininess. He just always gets a little bit hurt. So more check marks other than the age and the chin are in David Branch's checkbook because I do think that even off of his back, he's much more dangerous than Hermanson. But I like everything I've been seeing from this Swedish uh, 30-year-old. He just looks like he's trajecting in a much, much better place. He is a slight favorite, but this is also a coin flip of a fight. I got Hermanson decision. If not, TKO, I think that he can hurt Branch. And once he hurts him, it's more the beginning of the end. And he can stay at range and finally pick him apart. Even on the ground, Hermanson, if he gets him hurt, can submit him. But uh, I wouldn't suggest trying to go to the ground with Branch. Because that's really essentially... Well, no. Branch has serviceable striking. So I got decision. TKO Hermanson, maybe. But give me... Hermanson, minus 125. Who do you have in this fight and why? Hermanson's just a guy that keeps coming forward, coming forward, coming forward, and he wants to figure out a way to finish you. And he doesn't care if it's submission. He doesn't care if it's a knockout. He doesn't care if he's going to take you down and just hit you enough times that the ref calls it. I just think he has good ring IQ in there. And I don't like that um, four months ago, uh, Jared Cannonier knocked David Branch flatline. Totally like agree that. with that. So that makes his chin extra glass, and Hermanson can break that glass. I like the Joker here. I actually think he can finish it in round two, maybe round one, but I do believe he will finish it. I don't think that Thiago Santos' uh, perfect punch on Hermanson, um, maybe it closed the loophole a little in Hermanson's game. 
So in a good way. Right. Um, so Hermanson, uh, round two. 8,300 on DraftKings for the slight favorite, minus 125 against. David Branch is minus 105, 7,900 on DraftKings. I think I'm pretty much only going to stick on the Hermanson side of things. And at 8-3 for a finish, he's going to overpay that almost any which way. I like Hermanson here in this spot. Yeah, I agree. On to the main event. We got a five-rounder, and it's a profile fight. This is already a fight of the year contender, and they haven't even fought. That's how exciting this is just on paper. What's going to happen? And it's because we have two of the most dynamic strikers in the sport at 155 pounds facing off. Edson Barbosa, the Muay Thai Masters, coming in against Justin Gaethje, the brawler. Highlight Gaethje is coming in with a 19-2 record, only losing in the UFC to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, but last beating James Vick in a TKO six months ago, landing that overhand right, getting it out of there. I mean... There's so many ways to start talking about this fight. It's just like, obviously, it's the leg kicks. Edson Barbo, I mean, Jake Gaethje comes in with the leg kick repertoire where he throws them from outside, inside, and in close. Where, for me, Edson Barbosa only throws a leg kick from the outside. He's more of that Muay Thai, hand out, now I'll kick you. Now it's a powerful kick, and it'll have your knee cap hanging out in the middle of the ring. But there, as far as the... Levels of kicks that people show in there. I feel like Justin Gaethje, as far as the leg attack, is a little more advanced on the leg attack. And don't you think um, both sides? A uh, he more? throws both kicks for yeah, both. Angles. Instead of just, I mean, right side heavily with Barboza, he seems yeah. to have. It's like he's a one kick guy, like that one punch. How yeah. you just ro- watch it locked. Right. He kind of does the same. Barboza does have that more on the leg kick, but he throws a switch left kick to the body. That's as fast as any kick you'll ever see. But. It's also just pretty much a switch kick and a punch. Like, it's a two-punch combination. Like, it doesn't... He doesn't randomly throw it out there, but Muay Thai is what Edson Barbosa likes to do. If you want to see highlights, I mean, just look back at all sorts of... I'm only losing to Khabib as of late, Kevin Lee, and a doctor stoppage, and getting a win over Daniel Hooker three months ago in a profile fight where Hooker was just outmatched by the savvier striker. Oh, wow, yeah. But Neil as well was picking apart... Picking apart um, Edson Barbosa, and it was because he was mixing in takedowns as well as strikes. And Edson Barbosa was losing that fight until that knee landed and put out the iffy chin of Benil Dariush, which we've now started to see. Justin Gaethje has a solid chin again. It's been tested as much as anyone's, and it has started to finally crack a little bit. And Edson Barbosa has the type of power to be able to put out anyone's lights. So, Boxing-wise, I think they nullify each other. As far as all-around MMA game, Justin Gaethje's a better MMA fighter. If he ever decides to shoot a double-leg takedown in there, it's where he has the advantage. If. If, of course. If. If he chooses, that's not. But that's not Justin Gaethje's style. He's going to probably end up using that uh, behind-the-arms guard where he ducks his head, puts both hands up, and... Uh, there's a really great breakdown again. Jack Slack, the casual guide to Edson Barbosa. Oh, you know, you know. But it's really it, it it profiles both guys really well. And Justin Gaethje uses that guard where he leans his head down, moves forward, but he'll kick from the inside, framed up on you, or he'll throw that uppercut, or he'll even headbutt you, which a lot of guys don't talk about. But it is true. When he comes in with his head, if you move forward, you're gonna eat the top of that head. What it is susceptible for, though, against Barbosa is the uppercuts, which we've seen at 
uh, Eddie Alvarez land against Gaethje and that knee. And we have seen that knee land against Darius. And it's perfect against Gaethje. If he leans in too far over, Barbosa can throw that knee in the third, fourth, or fifth round and knock your ass out real quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I don't care who you are. You can't eat a knee to the face, Gaethje or not. So this one has just got violence written all, 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 all over it. But Edson Barbosa doesn't fight well off of his back foot. Edson Barbosa against Benil Dariush. We saw it against uh, Habib and Kevin Lee. If somebody gets in his face and keeps moving forward, pushing him up against the fence, he just he can throw up that one knee. But if it doesn't land, then he has to fight off the takedown, and that's really hard for him. And it starts to wear him down, even though we see that killer instinct in Barbosa. It is uh, just a stylistically something that Justin Gaethje naturally does. Justin Gaethje pushes everybody up to the fence and then starts kicking you on the fence, punch you on the fence, and he'll even throw up Darces and all that crazy stuff on the ground, but that's more in scrambles. So I got Justin Gaethje, TKO, round number four. Anybody can win this fight at any given time. I'm excited. Put money on it or not, this is must-watch TV. This is why we love UFC, because... This is a fight of the year right now, guaranteed. There's no way this isn't. Well, did I just jinx it? Is this Naganu? One and done. Is this Naganu Derek Lewis? Over in three seconds. No, or it's five round decision where it's like this. No way. Yeah, there's right? No way there's, there's no way. There's no way it's There's no way it's boring, but it could be over in seconds. 100%. Both guys talented enough to do it. 100%. Uh, both guys going in there to bang. Both guys are super exciting. The shit part is Justin Gaethje could easily win this fight. If he threw in some takedowns, I mean, as easily as you can win a fight against fucking Edson Barboza, but he's not going to throw in the takedowns. He never does. But then when I look back through his fights, I'm like, well, you know, uh, typically a lot of the guys that he's going against Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier that he's losing, they have pretty great ground games as well. Where Edson Barboza is super weak there. I've gone back and forth with this fight. I think both guys could be equally... um, now, Justin Gaethje's chinier. I just think he has that killer cardio, and he's going to keep pushing forward. That as long as he doesn't get caught, he's going to be okay. And can can Edson catch people? Does he have the kicks? Yes, but you know what? He's never had to go against somebody with equally, if not better, kicks. Just like you were saying at the beginning of it, like he's he's going against. The guy, like, Who he, did, like he, I seen him out there with Ferguson kicking metal pipes. Right. <laughs> like, he's this kind of crazy. I just watch all his videos. He's just kicking, 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 kicking. So, like you were saying with checks earlier, both guys, are they going to check? Or is it just Justin Gaethje? We know the kind of fighter he is. Yep. He's going to keep, he wants to go. He wants to put on a fan favorite. He wants to be remembered that way. Um, is Edson Barboza that kind of game? I don't know if he is. And I know everyone, we see that quit look on their face when they're in there with Khabib. But he just... He didn't have that. Yeah, I agree. Edson really has turned it around as of late. So I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to go with Gaethje as well. I think he can finish it. Interesting. On the plus 125 underdog, I remember last week when you were... uh, Shooting off the cuff, you ended up picking Edson Barbosa. Because, you know, I can see Gaethje getting finished just as easily because he pushes so hard forward. Totally. Sometimes I think if you look back at his knockouts, brutal AF, sometimes they're mixed with the exhaustion. Sure. Like, he is so exhausted that knockout, like, um, was it the Korean zombie that we just saw, like, the last second of his fight? Yeah. Oh, against like, There's something about that for Justin Gaethje. He freaking pushes it in there. And... uh. 
maybe even more so, even though it strikes instead of takedowns, he might be in your face just as much as Khabib. And, uh, that's what yeah, I think. That's so. what I'm thinking as well. This is such I a fun fight. I have a round four finish as well. Woo! I can see it in five, but I can see Edson finishing it. I'm going to speckle both guys and I might even do it e- evenly. I agree. Well... I think you speckle both guys because there could be a finish either way on this. But for 8500 for the minus 155 favorite, Edson Barbosa against Justin Gaethje, 7700 uh, Justin Gaethje goes in there to bang. He goes in there to bang. He I th- think it's 50-50. What's his 50. points average? 86 points. For Justin Gaethje? Gaethje. Yeah, I think you put 76. Gaethje. I think it's it's more How, like... But what's Edson's point average? 63 points. Do you think that But he's that got a couple decisive losses. And, and Kevin Lee. Because Kevin Lee did the same thing Khabib did. I know. I wonder if... Was it he just took him down the whole took time? Took him and, down the whole time. And then time. elbowed him. Yeah, and remember when he uh when he spin he almost knocked out Lee. Made I him do the chicken dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little chicken dance in there. But... I think that you put uh, Gaethje more in like that 65-70% and Barbosa on the other 30. I even, yeah, I think 70-30 or even 80-20 because I didn't know Gaethje was that inexpensive. Yeah. And I just, even if he gets finished, I picture it to be round three, like when Barbosa gets his timing down. In that time, Gaethje will get points. Agreed. Like, totally agreed. What a fun one we have coming out of Philadelphia. It was fun breaking it down. I hope you guys next like. next week oh. is... A pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. And I'm just saying, you heard what we felt about what you put on what and where you put. And, you know, if we're like, we had an underdog. Do you want to make Justin Gaethje our bandits bonus? It's true because we actually do have it the same round. That makes me way more excited about glass-eyed, blue-eyed, whoever. Mariah's? Was he the other one we had? Um, Hermanson? Her, no. Who was the other? Sergio? I don't know. The other underdog. So <laughs> it was it's Shaman Marias. And I like Justin Gaethje for a good underdog. I think that's fun. I like it. I like it as well. I'm trying to see the other one. I think it was. And so who's headlining Gaethje, that pay per view coming up? The next one that's going to be around the corner. Let me get into that one. Asking all these questions right at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Not prepared. Not prepared for this. Again, this is just one that we're going to have to really be paying attention to. Or maybe just staying away from because, again, that pay-per-view tends to be more yeah, betting favorite. stacked. And, you you know, the people usually, if the UFC is being kind to us, the people on the pay-per-views tend to be fighters that we know a little more. And the more we know, the better we make our picks. Uh, Holloway versus Poirier 2. Gastelum out of Sanya is the co-main no, event. that's April 13th. Yeah, right? that's... That's right, isn't so, it? So we wait. got a little break after this yeah, one. Yeah, we have two weeks off after this. Woo! So maybe you do want to spend a little bit more money because you're going to get a little bit of that uh, MMA Jones, UFC Jones in by the end of it. You're going to be needing a little hit of that MMA. Oh, but such well, a fun one to end it. McGregor, so we'll have tons to talk about. Oh, but we got, we're going to have such a fun rick- ricochet. Ooh, Recap ricochet. and ricochet. Definitely. And thank you guys for listening. We love you so much. Let's go the beat! Thanks for listening to Let Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.